0: Welcome to Sports and Songs, episode number 23 here. Today is April 20th. My name is Dan. This is Andy also joining us. How are you doing today, Andy?
1: Doing good, thank
0: you. Well, very good. Episode 23 here. It's uh, on our hashtag 420, of course. Uh, We've got sports, songs, updates, this day in music, this day in sports. We've got birthdays. We've got deaths. We've got bankruptcies in uh, the XFL. We have all sorts of goodies.
1: Bunch of stuff. All
0: sorts of of fun stuff here today. We're broadcasting live on B Live, also streaming on Facebook Live uh, right now. We'll get this up on YouTube uh, today as well. So, where would you like to start with today's fun stuff? Let's start with
1: some good news. We'll start with some postseason NCAA awards, or not postseason, as in playoffs, postseason, but end of year awards.
0: Yeah, no, these seasons. Now, the regular season ended, right? But the postseason. For some sports, didn't get started, and some sports did, and some sports got halfway done.
1: Hockey and basketball were kind of doing their conference tournaments at the time. Um, And baseball and some of the spring sports were just getting going. But, like, uh, for conference I know Big Ten conference tournament was halfway through when this happened. Um, There was a handful of small conferences that did finish in basketball, but... uh, Hockey was just getting wrapped up, getting ready for their playoffs and everything else. But, yeah, no official final tournaments had begun.
0: Okay. Well, let's – uh, uh, right Go ahead. Yeah, let's let's hit it. Let's see what we've got here for uh, some of our right. options. Uh, we've got a lot of sports. So go ahead.
1: All right, we'll start with good news for some awards. Um, you're for end for NCAA hockey. Um, I know we've mentioned some stuff because the uh, Vigie Stade had some guys up for the finals. Uh, since they didn't make it, we're not going to drop it off. We'll still mention it. Uh, University of Minnesota Duluth, Junior. Defenseman Scott Karanovich is the winner of the 2020 Hobie Baker Award. Um, that's going to be college's top player. It's usually, they announced it this week. Uh, I think Sports Center did something on it. It's usually during done during the Frozen Four tournament, so their their finals. So that's kind of about where we'd be right now. I think last Monday would have been the NCAA championship Monday. But Scott from UMD, uh, Congratulations to him for the Hobie Baker Award. And Maine junior goalie Jeremy Schwaman has been elected as the 2020 Mike Richter Award for best goalie in Division I. Uh, North Dakota hockey team, I don't know what name they go by anymore. Um, they're always going to be the suit to me. Sorry, old school. They're always going to be the suit. I think it's the Fighting Hawks or Hawks or something now. But North Dakota head coach Brad Berry has earned the share of the 2020 Spencer Award, which goes to the college Ice Hockey Coach of the Year and he splits that award with Cornell Head Coach Mike Schaefer those two split the award last time that award was split was in 1966 Hmm. and then Elizabeth Geary of uh, junior forward from Clarkston University was a recipient of the Patty Kasmar Award which is the girls version of the Holy Baker for MVP um so she got that um So congratulations to all those players uh, and coaches there. It's very good news for them. Um, So that's that news I got there. Got some NCAA basketball awards. Um, NCAA men's player of the year, they call it the Naismith Award. Goes to Toppen, He's a sophomore forward from Dayton. Uh, Right now, he's projected to be the number three pick in the NBA draft. And if you follow it, the number three pick belongs to the Minnesota Timberwolves. So exciting news there. We might get the player of the year there. And then uh, Sabrina, and I would apologize, Sabrina, I'm not even going to attempt on your last name. Um, senior guard from Oregon, she uh, got their player of the year award. Anowski? Uh, Anowski? Uh, I have, I'm not even Sorry. Uh, she got their award, and she also went this last weekend as the number one pick overall to New York Liberty. WNBA draft. And we'll cover some of that in a little bit here, too. Coach of the Year went to Anthony Grant of Dayton. Um, Dayton had a very nice year this year. Some people were picking them to make Final Four. Uh, Women's Coach Dawn Staley of South Carolina gets Coach of the Year for the Women. So that's some of their awards there. Locally, Gopher Baseball had their own postseason awards. Um, We had four different guys get awards there. Uh, postseason honors from Division One went to Jack Wassel and Max Meyer, who were selected by the Big Ten Conference's 2020 breakout hitter and most impressive pitcher, respectively. Meanwhile, Sam Ireland was named Big Ten Fab Freshman Team, and Zach Rabel R A B A B I probably pronounced that wrong. Zach, sorry, earned honorable mention, not as the conference's conferences most impressive hitter in 2020. So to uh. Uh, breakout hitter, most impressive pitcher, uh, top five freshman, and impressive hitter for the Gopher baseball team. Could have been a good team this year, lots of promising things. See who all comes back next year out of that. Um, cause some of the spring sports are allowing guys to come back for another year of eligibility. The way baseball works like hockey, if you do get drafted, you like to play in the minors. you can. Hopefully these guys stick together We have a good run here for a team. Uh, basketball, not to be outdone for Gopher basketball, they have been picking up some players, uh, transfers, a lot of that going on now. Uh, which is always kind of swept under the rug this time of year because of the finals and everything else. But um, as we are going on, Gopher women's basketball. Uh, Minnesota women's basketball team head coach Lindsey Whalen announced Wednesday the addition of Kyla Mershon to the Gophers program. Uh, Kyla is a 6'3 forward from Minnetonka, Minnesota, who spent the first two seasons at the University of Nebraska. So you've probably seen her here at Big Ten Conference. She's not a little stranger to our format or style of play here, and she's local girl, so she'll fit in right good. And also, Friday, Deja Woodward has joined the program this fall as a junior college transfer. She's a 6'3 forward who played at Jones County Community College in Mississippi last year. So congratulations to those two girls joining the Gopher women's team. Hopefully we can see some improvement out of them this year. Men's basketball. University of Minnesota head coach Richard Pitino announced Monday the addition of a pair of highly sought-after transfer student-athletes. Liam Robbins and Brandon Johnson joined the Gophers. Robbins uh, spent the previous two years at Drake, who has had a good career, good uh, team there. Well, Johnson spent four seasons at Western Michigan and will be eligible immediately as a graduate student. So he'll be here for a year or so, but good addition to have. Nice to have the leadership on your team. And then uh, Robbins will have to sit out a little bit, but he'll be able to still be able to practice with the team, but he'll be able to come in next year. And with everything sitting out this year for some of these sports, I don't know how that's going to work for sit-outs. I'm hoping basketball starts on time next year. They're saying for regular fall sports now, they may not start till September or October. Well, October is when practice starts for basketball, so let's hope they all start on time and we get all that going right there. That's what I got for NCAA stuff, Dan. Um, I'm ready to go with some pro stuff. Do you have anything for pro sports?
0: I've got uh, – how about you go ahead, and I've got a couple notes uh, we'll continue fit in here at the tail section of the sports, but you can go ahead. i got a couple images here to bring up.
1: All right, um, just a recap of the NBA draft. Uh, The number 6 pick, Makaya Harrigan. uh, She went to South Carolina. She was the number 6 pick in the first round, and she was picked up by the Lanks. There's a picture over there. Um, Very good player. South Carolina had a good team this year. Very impressive stats on her. So, looking forward to her coming in and joining the Lynx. Um, They should being a, a good team. Uh, the links also on the draft in the second round, the number four pick, Crystal Dangerfield out of Connecticut. Uh, Connecticut has also had some great teams up there. So she's a five-five guard. And then also in the third round, the number two pick, the New York Liberty made it drafted her. And then we traded for we traded Stephanie Tolbert for Erica Og- Ogwamek from Rice, um, a five-nine guard. Rice, I don't know if a lot of you follow Rice basketball, college basketball in Texas. Very competitive team. Texas is very competitive for college basketball. Say you went to Rice though for basketball or football. It's kinda of like saying you went to UN uh, to Minnesota Duluth here. Very competitive it holds its own and everything else, just they don't get all the national attention and love like the U of M does or St. Cloud State for hockey and stuff like that. But Rice, very good school. They're uh, I doesn't matter what school you went to. You get picked in the NBA dra- WNBA draft, you are a good player. Rice is a good program. Very excited to see Erica here and Crystal. And, of course, again, Makaya. Nice picks for the lengths. I think they're rebuilding. As much as I don't like that word, they'll be rebuilding. They'll be fine. Only about a dozen teams in the WNBA. It's very competitive. So third-round pick is still a good player. So There's not a lot of other teams uh, taking talent. Um, and just the other drafts, we the NFL draft coming up this week, April 23rd and 25th, uh, basketball draft, June 25th starts, the NHL draft is Friday and Saturday, June 26th, 27th, and that's what I got for drafting stuff, sir, how about yourself?
0: Well, in the NFL, uh, NFL news, we've got one, uh, one death, uh, Tavares Jackson, um, 36 years old, former Vikings quarterback. Here, I'll bring him up here on the show. And uh, Tavares Jackson died this this uh, last week. So that was a traffic accident out in Pike Road, Alabama. He died on April 12th, was 36 years old, former NFL quarterback for the Vikings and the Seahawks, uh, died in the car crash. So that's one of our notes we've got here for the week um, as far as uh, a, a death for for NFL, the other thing that I've got is XFL. Now, XFL, we did get uh, news here just this week that the XFL has declared bankruptcy. You know, they're they're filing for Chapter Eleven bankruptcy now. Uh, earlier in the week, they suspended all operations. They shut everything down. They're filing for Chapter Eleven now for the uh, league. They just got five games in out of their ten game schedule. And now it looks like they've got uh, them up for sale. I mean, th- the other thing that they could do is sell it. And if so, uh, I think they're looking with, you know, McMahon's operation there, uh, uh, Commissioner Oliver Luck, maybe someone will come in and buy the league. Oh, it's up for sale. It's not, it's not, it's, it's shut down as far as operations are concerned, but the business isn't shut down yet. So. Yeah, a
1: lot of people are saying with Vince McMahon's ownership in it, saying, oh, Vince shut it down, Vince is selling this net." He only owns like twenty three percent of the league. It's just he's the big names. Everybody looks at him for
0: it. Yeah, he's the majority.
1: Another big name coming
0: and buy it. He's the majority, majority owner. But they've already said they're going to uh, suspend operations for all of twenty twenty one as well. So if someone does come in and buy it, would they start in twenty twenty two?
1: That would be my guess. Or yeah.
0: could they possibly retract that statement and, and move forward as if nothing happened next year? I think they're
1: doing twenty twenty two right now so if they do sell they have time to work all that out i see between logistics of teams if they keep those teams in those markets expand something like that
0: okay uh yeah so they got the nfl draft coming up here and uh, you know that's going to be this starting on what thursday uh wednesday thursday. Or thursday thursday that starts and so uh first round picks that'll be interesting here to see how that shakes out with the uh, vikings and everybody else um and a lot of a lot of mock drafts I'm seeing on the internet now different versions of mock drafts of course' We're into that time of the year uh the yep. one thing to look for uh who does the uh is that on the Dan Brero show who does the uh the the, the draft pick the comedian uh, okay. it's, it's Marty Wexler right it's marty Wexler does a mock uh, yeah Wexler does a mock draft he does it from a comedian approach and uh, that should be pretty funny that comes out this uh, should be out this week, I believe it's I believe it's Wednesday, and uh, uh, that is usually pretty funny. He does that bit um, every every year. That uh, fake name of Marty Wexler the Third. Now,
1: uh, one thing to remember when you hear all the mock drafts, like on ESPN or Fox Sports, um, I know a lot of them when they do it, they don't figure in trades, people trading draft picks up or down. They go by how you finished the season, what your ranking was in the draft, and they pick that way. Correct. Oh, you said we take salt, so we didn't. Because they don't figure in trades and everything else. They figure if you went straight down the list, the way you finished the season, I mean, figuring, hey, we traded draft pick two years ago for this spot, those trades, yes, are figured in. But the way it printed in the paper after the last game of the season, in that order, no changes, that's their draft.
0: Assuming all things being equal, that's the way they do the mock draft. So, uh, yes, yep. They can't go back later and say after some trades that uh, your your accuracy was not too correct on that mock draft. But
1: Yeah, they don't fancy home going, I think Buffalo's going to trade Seattle this guy and get that. They don't mess with that. No.
0: Correct. Yeah, that's all I've got then.
1: Um, there was one thing we put up on our Facebook page this week. Um, a, lot fantasy, a lot of these sites What would be your,
0: because it's local, cool we say this one, the Minnesota Twins. Starting five, all time. So, all time. So starting pitchers from the Twins. We're not going back to Washington when they were part no. of the franchise. So
1: no, just those who played in Minnesota. Starting five pitchers, um, in any particular order?
0: Well, I've got, uh, I've got, I've got five here, and I've got Brad Radke is one of them. Okay. I've got Bly Levin as. One of them. He's uh, because of his strikeout numbers and his innings and the number of innings that guy could pitch. Yes. It was unbelievable. Jim Cott, I've got. I've got Johan Santana as well. You know, he's got the number one highest win-loss winning percentage in Twins history from a starting pitcher perspective. Uh, Very high winning percentage. And i got Frank Viola as well.
1: 11. I got Viola. I got Santana, who's also the only Mets pitcher to throw no hitter. <laughs> Jim Perry. And Jim Cott. Key. Uh, he had he was like Greg Maddox when it comes to gold gloves. Cott had a whole bunch of gold gloves as a pitcher. Cott very knowledgeable game, very smart player. Uh, I like I like Jim Perry. Of course I never saw him play. He was on soon after I was born. But my mom and my grandma always talked about stories. that come down to the net to see Jim Perry pitch all the time, so I heard the stories. Kind of a honorary tribute pick to my mom and grandma. I picked Jim Perry up on the team. So, well, I've but got Cotty, Viola and Santana.
0: Yeah, I've got uh, I got three that made the honorable mention list. You know, Jim Perry was one of those. And the reason I moved him down is he had a couple of good years, but he also had a bunch of not so good years. Uh, and he's before my time as well. And I didn't know this, but they had moved him. You know, in and out of the relief roles, in and out of the bullpen, and then he was a starter, and then he wasn't doing well, and then he was. And so that was the reason I dropped him out of the list. Uh, but I also have uh, Camilo Pasquale and Mudcat Grant as my honorable mentions. I had, I had
1: uh, Mudcat, Pasquale, and also Kevin Tappany on my honorable mention list. I was kind of a big Tappany guy. there was a coin talks with Tappany and Radke, to tell you the truth. I thought he would be that third. Third honorable mention player, but I had Radke on that spot. Yeah, um, I'm sorry, Tappany
0: on that spot. Yeah, Radke was interesting. I did not think when I had this assignment to, to look this up that he would even be in there, but the number of innings and the number of starts that he had and the number of batters faced, all uh-huh. in a twins uniform, and he also had a very low uh, base on balls per nine inning ratio, very yeah. low walks, um, and he had a big. He's number five, four or five in the Twins' history of strikeouts. Yeah, as well compared to some of these other guys in the list. So, um, I brought that up as uh, as well. Uh, you know, Jim Cott, you know, with three thousand plus innings in a Twins uniform is uh, phenomenal. But that's who, that's who, that's who we had. Okay, four out of five. That's good.
1: I'll put together a starting five for the Mets. Okay, and throw a Mets one on there. Um, again, in no particular order, I had Tom Seaver, uh, Dwight Gooden, Jerry Kuzman, uh, Ron Darling. And then the fifth spot was kind of up there between Al Leiter and Jacob DeGrom. Okay. DeGrom's still young enough, doesn't have that much of a career, career yet for me to say, of course he should be one of the five pitchers. Jacob's doing good. He's on there. And then my honorable mention on the side would be Noah Syndergaard. He would be listed up there, along with Sid Fernandez would be my...
0: Our oh, yes. Up. Sid Fernandez. Very good. L. Of course.
1: Back in the A's or the Mets, it was good. They always put K's up in the background every time he struck someone out. Yes. Sid Fernandez, they put S's up and say Sid up there. Oh, they
0: did? Oh. Okay. I didn't know. I was not Sid aware of, of that.
1: By the crowd. Number 50, because he was from Hawaii. Okay. So he's all Hawaiian players want to wear number 50. Um, but, yeah. So, Sid Fernandez. And also, Sid and I share a birthday, so we're tight.
0: Wow, that's good stuff.
1: Different year, different year. Sid's a little older than I am, but uh, share a birthday. So, shout out to my birthday buddy Sid Fernandez.
0: Awesome. Anything else for? Uh, we got sports history today.
1: Yeah, we're ready for the sports history part. Now, um, this will be a little over a week. It's been uh, about ten days since our last show, so it's going to be a few different days here. Sports history, April twelfth, nineteen thirty-eight Stanley Cup Finals, Chicago Stadium. Blackhawks beat the Toronto Maple Leafs 4-1 for a 3-1 series win. At the time, that was the only team to win the Cup with a losing regular season record.
0: Wow. Yeah, that is that is very, um, very odd, I guess.
1: Yeah, because right back then, it was, the league wasn't as flooded as it is now with teams, so uh, 1961, Douglas MacArthur declines an offer to become baseball commissioner. So that could have been interesting. And in 1992, the Mets lose their first three home games for the first time since 1962, which uh, the 62 Mets finished 40 and 120 that year, so we don't talk about that very much. Um, April 13th, 1926, at age 38, Walter Johnson pitches his seventh opening day shutout.
0: The big train?
1: big tra- I mean, seven opening day wins is great for a career. And at age 38, which back then meant nothing because they played until their arm fell off, opening day shutout. So uh, 1963, Pete Rose triples in his first major league hit. And then 21 years later, on that same date, 1984, Pete Rose becomes the first thousand hits in a career. Um, 1997. For the first time since 1961, two double hitters were played in the same city as the Giants versus the Mets, and the A's played the Yankees all in New York. So, you know, New York, Chicago, LA are the only teams that can have a chance for that. Very rarely do they schedule the Mets and the Yankees or the two Chicago teams home at the same time. Here, not only were the really home the same time. They both had double headers. so that's kind of an interesting fact there. April 14th, 1941. Birthday, Pete Rose. Uh, he was a player manager for the Reds. He was born in Cincinnati, Ohio. Also, 1966, Greg Maddox, four time National League Exciting Award winner. Birthday born in Texas. Uh, fact about Maddox. He faced 20,421 batters during his career. And only 310 saw, saw a 3-0 count. And 177 of those were intentional walks. Hmm. So, wow. just amazing pinpoint control he had. April 15, 1927, Babe Ruth hits his first of, And on that same date, 20 years later, Jackie Robinson becomes the first African-American to play a U.S. Major League Baseball for the Dodgers. Um... You say U.S. Major League Baseball. He was in the minor leagues for the Montreal team, but they didn't. So maybe that's why they say U.S. Major League. I don't know why they put that in there, but it was in the stat or the sheet I got it off of. 1968, April 15th. Houston Astros beat the New York Mets 1 0 in 24 innings. The game time was 6 hours and 6 minutes. Uh, some stats from that game the Mets, game uh, had one double by Ed Charles. They left 16 on base. Uh, runners in scoring position, they were 1 for 13. Tom Seaver was 1 for 3 batting with a walk, and he pitched 10 innings, giving up 2 hits, 3 strikeouts, no walks and a wild pitch, and faced 32 batters. You would never see a pitcher today go 10 innings, but faced 32 batters and in 10 innings. Give up 2 hits, do the math. He got wow. it out. out. Wow. Tommy Agee and... And Ron Shaboda batting 3 4 for the Mets in the lineup. working are combined 0 for 20 with 9 Ks. And then, Flowsview, or Art Shamsky. And the reason I bring Art Shamsky, if you ever watch Everybody Loves Raymond, they always talk about Art Shamsky. There he is, Shamsky. Shamsky played for the Mets. He had the best line in that game. He was 2 for 4, started in left field, and got pulled for a pinch runner. So, in a 1 0 game, they were trying everything then. But, uh, yeah, 0 for 20 for those two guys from 9Ks, and yet one guy is 2 for 4 and gets pulled for a pinch runner. Art Chamsky. 1997, Major League Baseball honors Jackie Robinson by retiring the number 42 for all teams. The thing was, though, in the retired 42 at the time, if you were still wearing it, they let you finish it for your career. They didn't make you change numbers. But they weren't issuing it to anyone else. Uh, the last player to wear was Mariano Rivera. The Yankees was a one up there at the end. 2013, the Boston Marathon bombings were on that date. Uh, three people were killed and 183 injured after two explosions near the finish line. Birthdays: 1956, Michael Cooper of the Lakers has a birthday. Uh, Michael Cooper is kind of one of my favorite players for the Lakers during uh, Showtime. As for some reason, I like to just—I don't know why. Just as a kid, I always liked Michael Cooper for as a player. Him, Michael Thompson, Magic, Kareem, James Worthy—awesome. And 1971, Jason Seahorn of the NFL New York Football Giants has a birthday in 1971. Uh, when, I think he's still married to Angie Harmon uh, from TV, from uh, Law and & Order, and some other shows. April 16th, 19, 2019, Seattle Seahawks quarterback Russell Wilson becomes the highest paid player in NFL history, a four year, $140 million extension including a $65 million signing bonus, which means he got $65 million for writing his name. That's basically what a signing bonus means. <laughs> April 16th birthday is 1947. A Lou L. Cinder, also known as Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, a birthday. 1952, Bill Belichick of uh, Patriots has a birthday. In 1955, Bruce Bochy, also known as a former Major League Manager for the Giants, uh, he played uh, managed the, Giants of the Padres early in his career. Uh, He's with the Giants from 2007 to 2019. During his playing career, Bochy was a catcher for the Astros, the Mets, and the Padres. Prior to becoming the manager, Giants manager, he managed the Padres for 12 seasons. He led the Giants to three World Championships and led the Padres to the one only World Series appearance. And he was the 11th manager in Major League Baseball with 2,000 wins. That's his record is 2,003. And then 2029 losses, so that's his overall record as a manager. So, oh, under 500 overall, but hey, a lot of the Padres teams were bad too. So, um, April 17th, 1869, the, fir- the, the first pro baseball game was played: the Cincinnati Reds 24 against the Cincinnati Amateurs 15. Uh, 1953. Mickey Mantle hits a 565-foot home run in Washington, D.C.'s Griffith Stadium. Um, 1964, the first game at Shea Stadium, and that's lose the Pirates 4-3. Birthdays, 1820, Alexander Cartwright, American sports, sportsman, recognized as the inventor of modern baseball, was born in New York City. April 18, 2008, Give approval for the potential cell or poten- the potential Seattle Supersonics relocation. Not the sub the relocation. Oklahoma City, a 28-2 vote by the Board of Governors. April 18th birthdays, Miguel Cabrera of the Tigers. Never forgets Miguel started his career with the Marlins. The Marlins won a world championship down there, so you go. Uh, poor Miguel, he's been on the Tigers and never had a ring. He got one early in his career, he's fine. Um, April 19th, 1989, Kevin Elster and the Mets sets an airless, airless shortstop mark at 73. Streak he got through 88 games, so 88 games without an error. So it's just over half a season. Birthdays. We mentioned him earlier, 1960. Frank Viola, pitcher for the Mets and the Twins, a ah, Cy Young winner in 1988. Birthday, April 19. April 20th. New York Mets' Tom Seavers, first victory, beats the Cubs 6-1. 1988, the Baltimore Orioles set a worst record to start the season with 0-14. They ended up going 0-21 and finished the season at 54-107. and 1987, Mark McGuire is the, fourth to home run off, is the fourth player to hit a home run at Detroit's Tiger Field on the left field roof. Uh, the only other players to do it, of course, are McGuire, Cecil Fielder, not surprising, Frank Howard, um, if you know baseball history, Frank Howard, that's very that's really not surprising either. And Harmon Killebrew of the Twins. The four guys to do that. Uh, birthdays. Don Mattingly, New York Yankees. He was 1985 MVP and was born this day, 1961. That is all I got for sports history, sir. I say we head off and do the songs or music section of the show
0: all right that sounds good we'll be back with that <laughs> all right let's get into some uh, music here andy all right those who
1: are on the facebook live now, you see the picture that's on top. links to all of our different social media sites so, uh, yeah, we I'm got our uh,
0: next to the hams, next to the hams beer guy there, and um, that is yes. our photo we took there at the show. And there's uh, the links of where you can contact us uh, um, to reach uh, our social social media accounts. Go ahead, Andy. We got lots of music to cover today.
1: Yes. Um. First of all, as I go through the music stuff, you're gonna hear a lot of names repeated. It was just the way it came up in the history books. I wasn't picking out favorites, just the way it came up. April 12th, um, Garth Brooks released his debut album, 1989, on on April 12th, so his career turned out okay. 1988, Sonny Bono, of the famous Sonny and Cher duo, was elected mayor in his hometown of Palm Springs, California. He held the position in 1992. In 94, he was elected to Congress, so he went to Congress. Um, A few years after that, he did die tragically in a downhill skiing accident, but uh, Sonny Bono 1999, Billy Joel's Greatest Hits, Volume 1 and 2, becomes just the fourth album to reach certified by the RIAA as double diamond for sales of over $20 million in the U.S., followed by Michael Jackson's Thriller, Eagle's Greatest Hits, 1973-75, and Pink Floyd's The Wall. So that, that's four incredible albums right there. That's a good company to be in right there. April 13th, 2001. KISS wraps up their quote-unquote farewell tour with a show in, in Australia. Just two years later, they do head out on a world domination tour. And, of course, they would be on tour right now if we weren't on lockdown. They were just finishing up their uh, end-of-the-world tour. was that what it was called? The end of the road. End of the road tour, yes. After nine years of very, very public marriage, Billy Joel and Chrissy Brinkley announced they have separated. They divorced later on that year so. That one. 1951, birthday drummer Max Weinberg of the Bruce Springsteen and E Street Band is born. Um, Max was also the drummer on uh, David Letterman's show. I uh, like oh, yes. David Letterman, he was the drummer on that show also. April 14th, 1988, Public Enemy's sophomore album, It Takes a Nation of Millions to Hold Us Back, is released. Often cited as one of the greatest hip hop albums of all time, the album so- spawns such PE classics as. Don't Believe the Hype, Night of the Living, bass Heads, and Black Steel and the Hour of Chaos. As well as the original song of Bring the Noise, which they did later with Anthrax later on, I believe, wasn't it? Dre and someone else they did Bring the Noise. 1980, Judas Priest released Bridge Steel. Trademark album, landmark album containing Living After Midnight and Breaking the Law. I know I've mentioned that in the past on some of your Albums of the Week, that, that's a great album edition. One of the best metal albums out there, Rich Steel. And also in 1980, Iron Maiden released their self-debut title album. There's another band that doesn't get a lot of respect Iron Maiden. Wow, good stuff. April 15, 1972. Billy Joel plays a concert at the Sigma Sound Studios in Philadelphia, which is broadcast on a local radio station, WMMR. After the show, the station puts the performance of Captain Jack in rotation and Joel built the following. This leads to a contract with Columbia Records, which released at Joel's breakthrough album, Piano Man, 1973. April 15th, 1966, birthdays. No description, I'm just going to say it. Samantha Fox. Rick Cash, that's for you. April 16th, 1996. Kiss performs at the Grammys in full makeup and costume and just the whole Kiss Nine Yards. It's just the second time since 1980 that all four members had been on stage together. Now, it doesn't, doesn't count the 1995 MTV Unplugged bit. So, where they all showed up, original showed up on stage there. That's when they decided to get back together again the four April 17, 1971. Each of the four ex Beatles has a solo hit on the UK charts John Lennon's Power to the People, Paul McCartney, Another Day. George Harrison, my sweet lord, and the other guy, uh, Ringo Starr. It don't come easy. April eighteenth, twenty twelve. Pop music's idol, American Bandstand host Dick Clark, dies of a heart attack at age eighty-two. Uh, America's oldest teenager. He was called. You know, um, I remember watching Bandstand growing up. He used to do the New Year's Eve show all the time. Dick Clark's Rockin' New Year's Eve. Uh, he dies of a heart attack at eighty-two. Many artists got their huge break appearing on Bandstand, which he hosted from 1965 to 1989. So Dick Clark passed away in 2012. 1987, MTV finally acknowledges the existence of Heavy Metal, the debut of Headbangers Ball, a weekly show dedicated to that genre. Um, I remember watching it. It'd be a little half-hour show. I think it to an hour later on. that, That time only was just all hair bands, metal bands. They played then. They did show them through the regular mix throughout the day. But that was your one time to see that. I think they threw it out like at eleven o'clock at night on a Friday or Saturday or something like that, but we got ours then. And that's when you had the VCR, you had to set your timer to record it. We did. April nineteenth, nineteen or I'm sorry, April nineteenth, twenty seventeen, Kid Rock and Ted Nugent joined Sarah Palin in the White House for a personal tour from President Donald Trump. She just look at that picture that's beautiful that'd be a great Christmas card um, 1986 you don't have to watch Disney to have an attitude or, or you don't have to watch Dynasty to have an attitude a, song, a line from a Prince song Prince has the number one in the US with his song Kiss the number two song Manic Monday by the Bengals is one he also wrote so Kiss had the number one song by Prince there Manic Monday Written by Prince, performed by the Bengals, was number two. Birthdays, 1953, rock drummer Rod Morgenstein of Winger was born in New York. I believe now he's a, he teaches college music at a local college in New York. And Finally, April 20th, 1963, Rick Nelson marries his first wife, Chris Harmon, daughter of college football legend Tom Harmon and sistered actor Mark Harmon in Los Angeles. Pregnant Chris gives birth to their daughter, Tracy, only six months later. The couple divorces in 1982. So that's all I got for birthdays, sir. You for the album of the week.
0: Well, we uh, got a lot of, lot of music there, a lot, uh, lot of good stuff. Uh, the album that I've been listening to this week, uh, we're going to cover on the Today Show, is Judas Priest, 1980, album called British Steel. And so I know you just got done talking about that, but uh, one thing I did I've always liked is the album cover. Here uh, is the album cover uh, with the razor blades there, razor blade I should say. So that's that's what I'm going to be covering today. That's their sixth studio album by English heavy metal band Judas Priest, uh, released by Columbia Records. It's the band's first album to feature drummer Dave Holland. Dave Holland makes his first appearance on this, on this album. Uh, 36 minutes long, the album, album was, uh, they recorded this on the grounds of uh, Titanhurst Park um, yeah, in the studios. in December 1979 is when they did the, the recording of this. And remember the the song Breaking the Law that was featured on this as well, some of the sound effects in the background were quite violent, but what really happened there was a uh, they were smashing milk bottles that the milkman delivery man delivered earlier that morning. They smashed those for the sound effects, and they also had some billiard cues that were snapped and some trays of cutlery dropped on the floor for sound effects, and that was uh, that was uh, the uh, the the sound effects back in the day there, 1979 in December when they used when they use that the previous album for judas priest was a live album called unleashed in the east that was released in 1979 and then the following year was after the british deal was point of entry 1981 the band was rob Halford on vocals kk downing on uh, lead guitars glenn tipton lead guitars ian hill bass and dave holland like i said on the drums, that was Dave Holland's first first album with the band. Uh, on the drums. Now we do know that the Judas Priest background was was always very heavy metal, very hard. But then later it came out that uh, the sexuality of these of these individuals was all very strange. And um, and we do know Rob Halford came out as as gay early on. He he was in fact he was picked up. He he joined the band. He was a manager of a porn cinema at the time, and he was picked up by Judas Priest to be the lead singer. And a porn cinema back then was almost like you see these peep shows, uh, almost here in America. Those types of things. There was no really video or DVD for for, for porn. So he was working at that type of a establishment at the same t- at the time. Now his sister went on to marry Ian Hill, the bassist, And Ian Hill was a straight man. Married Rob Halford, the gay man. Some drums later came out that he was bisexual. Uh, actually served some prison time. A little bit of a prison time there for for uh, doing some sexual related things to a, a a young boy that came over for some drumming lessons, and so he served some prison time with that. This album, British Steel, came out platinum. Uh, it went platinum on the charts, and I'm going to lead off, uh, read off the songs here: Rapid Fire, Metal Gods, Breaking the Law, and Breaking the Law was the second single released. Uh, that that hit. Uh also 1980, Breaking the Law, that became one of their biggest hits. Grinder was song number four. United, song number five. That was released later on, August 15th of 20 uh sorry, 1980. And you know, this album's a 40 years old. Um and so that was one of their other uh songs. They tried to do a uh a an anthem song with that with United. Something they could uh, charge with almost like what Queen had where We Are the Champions kind of a kind of a feeling to that. Side two on the cassette was uh, You Don't Have to Be Old to Be Wise, Living After Midnight. Now, Living After Midnight. Interesting note. That also went uh, as a single. That was their first single released March 21st of 1980. The song title came about when Glenn Tipton woke up Rob Halford with his loud guitar playing at 4 a.m. in the morning during the studio sessions. The band was staying at Titanhurst Park to record the British Steel, and Halford woke up and said to to Tipton, boy, you're really living after midnight, aren't you? Tipton replied that Halford's Common was a great title for the very song he was working on. Uh, So... uh, Always some good stuff there with Glenn Tipton, some of these guys. Very good guitarists, both of them uh, are ranked in the top uh, 20 uh, on many, many um, charts, oh, yeah. Charts. Uh, both of those. Uh, uh, and so that was released as a single in March. Uh, the album <laughs> was later remastered in 2001, adding two bonus tracks, uh, the studio track Red, White, and Blue. And then they also had a second bonus track, a live performance of the song "Grinder," uh, that was performed in 1984 in Los Angeles uh, during their Defenders of the Faith tour. Now, in 2009, oh sorry, I never finished the rest of the uh, rest of the songs after "Living After Midnight." Song eight was uh, "The Rage," and the final song was "Steeler." On that, um, on that uh, nine songs on the album. And now, with a final note, with in the thirtieth anniversary of the release of this album, they did a in two thousand nine a anniversary tour in the U.S. by playing the British Steel live in its entirety for the first for the first time in concert. This all nine of these songs, um, excellent. Uh, as far as a critical, every time
1: I hear Breaking the Law, I think of Beavis and Butt
0: Oh, yes, yes. Uh, they got a lot of play, and also in video games. You know, a lot of yeah. uh, games, they use a lot of the music from the Judas Priest Band on, uh, on various, uh, uh, various video games. Uh, one, one, were, one was five out of five stars uh, on all music. Um, in fact, they went on to explain that, that this album really kick-started the heavy metal glory days of the 1980s. Uh, it was this, this album that drove a lot of that. And it's listed as number three on the Rolling Stone list of 100 greatest metal albums of all time. Number three. And it's one of those uh, albums that you must listen to before, before you die. It's uh, good stuff. Good stuff. Any other, uh, any memories for you from this album, Andy?
1: Well, there was one song, Living After Midnight, Going Back to the 80s, AWA Wrestling, uh, Shawn Michaels and Marty Gennetti the Midnight Rockers that was their song they came out to mm. Living After Midnight so cool. wrestling fact there for you again today Yeah,
0: good stuff I like that That's a good it's a good CD all those songs are good and in fact going to imagine going to that concert the 30 year anniversary listening to the uh, those 9 songs played in order of the entire album all at right. the concert um,
1: and like I said before Rob Helford's a great follow on Instagram
0: Yes, uh, very talented guy. In fact, reading through this review, you know, the voice, the vocals that he was able to uh, to do really put a lot of other vocalists to shame uh, because of the range that that guy had. And the guitarist, uh, unbelievable, drumming, very yeah, good, really bassist, yeah. unbelievable. And uh, that bassist, you know, uh, I was married to Rob Halford's sister for a time, and then they got divorced, and uh, he was later, I think, remarried two other times, but... Uh, Halford went through a lot of issues with drugs and alcohol then got himself clean and sober and to this day is a sober uh, sober guy. It's unreal what he uh, how much his life has changed. Uh, he had kept the fact about his uh, sexuality uh, hidden and, and secret for so so long and um, once he finally got that out, uh, it, it really opened things up but uh, he did a lot of, uh, a lot of drugs and alcohol back in those days. All right, anything else, Andy? Once again, this is April 20th, 2020. This is episode 23, Sports and Songs.